This is Podflix, episode 155. I'm Paul. I'm Willie. And I'm Nish. Hello, hey. gentlemen. What's going on? How's everybody doing? Anybody um, Anybody got any news? Anybody got anything like, I don't know, like new organs to talk about or anything like that? Nope. <laughs> All right, no, moving just on. Kidding. I, <laughs> yeah, I got a, I, I got a third kidney. I figured, you know, what the hell? Just splurge and... Uh, and and get another kidney you know they they say you can never have too many kidneys um i think someone said that once mm-hmm. sometime you're gonna put that saying to the test yes exactly um Nish, is it is it insensitive last week paul and i were like we don't know if it's insensitive or not but remember our old intro would be like three guys from new jersey talking about movies we were like we should say three guys with seven kidneys talking <laughs> over the internet <laughs> <laughs> not insensitive i'm all for it <laughs> okay i'm gonna i'm gonna embrace my three kidney identity so yeah so so i had we're uh, glad you're back nish thank because you. you know last week was a, we, we were off the rails paul and i kept being like who is that guy from that thing we're like god damn it we need this here i'll i'll try my best there might be there might be a fair amount of who who's that guy what's his name going on this week as well we'll we'll, we'll see how much i can remember um, yeah, no, I got, I, I got a new kidney, uh, three weeks ago to the day as we are recording this, uh, and I'm recovering. Everything is going well so far. Uh, it is, uh, not fun recovering from major surgery, but it's, you know, just the way things go. I look forward to being recovered and not having, you know, a whole bunch of soreness and staples and all kinds of stuff that you have after surgery. But uh, but I'm here, and you know, I think I'm doing all right. Did they have Netflix or internet in the hospital, or did you just watch like lots of HGTV? They had internet in the hospital, but <laughs> the like charger for my phone was not close to my bed at all. And in the hospital, it was very hard to get out of bed. You know, like I was, <clears throat> I was, you know, that was like a yeah, yeah. So. If I wanted to use my phone, like I had to like then call somebody in to go put it on the charger and like take it and all that. And it just wasn't worth it most of the time. So I just watched TV. Um, What I watched basically was a lot of tennis because the US Open was on and a lot of basketball Mm -hmm. playoffs. So that was that was basically what was on. And that is what I watched for like six days. So I, I was no basketball. I, I got I very into the U.S. Open. <laughs> Are you a lifelong I'm, tennis fan now? That's right. I, I actually was a tennis fan. So it was it wasn't like I was like, you know, watching curling or something that I have like no interest in or anything like that. How um, dare you say anything bad about curling? Well, to, to be fair, I have interest in curling when it's on like on the Olympics, like every four years. But that's about it. You know, then, then I forget Paul, it exists. Paul and I had a real serious conversation while we were real drunk one night about how hard could it be to make the curling team on the Olympics? I, I haven't given up that dream. We can still do it. I think we should wait until we're really old and then we can use like our walkers and just like brush it with the tennis balls at the bottom. Jeez. 
Yeah, the hardest part is, like, the, is the bending over as we get older. But we can. Yes, do I was gonna say there's a lot of bending over in uh, in curling. Make of that, form. yeah. Make of that what you will. <laughs> well, we're glad you're back, Nish. Um, Thanks. Uh, looking forward to a speedy recovery. Um, yes, me too. While you were while you were laid up watching TV, did you happen to catch any of the Emmys by any chance? Because I know they were on recently. Yes, I actually did. Um, I don't quite know why I decided to watch it. I think I decided to watch it partially because, um, you know, obviously because of the pandemic, this was an all sort of virtual or mostly virtual telecast, and it just seemed ripe for things to go wrong and so there was a little bit of watching it to be like all right let's see how bad they fuck this up and uh surprisingly and maybe a little disappointingly they really didn't fuck up at all it was it actually went about as smoothly as something like that could possibly go i didn't watch it how was the monologue without anybody laughing so um so jimmy kimmel was the host and uh he did a monologue monologue with nobody laughing right he did a monologue in the beginning with an audience um and everyone was laughing and then at some point he was in the audience and then he was like wait like if i'm in the audience then how can i be up here and then he's like i'm up here of course because there is no audience those were just clips from like previous seasons of like the audience basically and then it like panned to actually show the real empty staple center that he was in um doing the uh you know, doing the thing. So yeah, it went, I think it went decently well. It was a little weird to not have laughter. Like, you know, when they were doing bits and like, I wouldn't say all of the bits that they did landed. Um, They did have people coming in person to do some of the bits. Like they would all be socially distanced and I'm sure they were tested before they came and then they'd leave like probably like five or six celebrities. Like Jennifer Aniston was there. I remember and like Anthony Anderson and yeah, a couple, you know, a couple other TV people. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Now we used to back years ago. We used to actually like do like award prediction shows and stuff like that, and like that's right, like, mostly for the Oscars, I think, right? Mostly, yeah. But because um, we stuck to TV a lot more back in the day, or sorry, to movies a lot more back in the day. Yeah, but I have to say, like in the intervening time, I've really soured on awards show, like the concept and the shows themselves in general. Me too. That's why it was a little weird that I watched this because I feel like I don't really watch award shows too much anymore. Uh, and, you know, with TV, um, it's, you know, TV has become so fragmented in a lot of ways. And and in some ways, that's not a bad thing because there are a lot of really good shows on. But um, I have watched fewer shows than ever, you know, like like in terms of like the things that are nominated, like I'm aware of them, but like most of them I have not seen. Um, and so it's a little, you know, there is a, something a little weird when you're watching an award show and you're like, you're like, well, I know of this show, but I don't have like, I've never seen it. And you, and that's like the case for 90% of the shows. It does make for a kind of a weird experience. Right. I wonder, and I, I, I wonder to what extent, like they kind of still matter, like, or how much they ever kind of ever mattered, especially like that anything that's not the Oscars, like do people, I wonder if it registers with people. It's like, you know this this emmy award-winning show or this emmy award-winning actor or actress like does that do anything for anybody i think it depends on the circumstances so um as as anybody who will have you know seen an emmy's recap or anything like that knows um the comedy category was completely you know basically you know dominated by schitt's creek um which like and and i mean dominated they won every single comedy award which has never yes. happened. In fact, seven no out of seven, right? Yeah. In fact, no 
no regular show has ever won all four acting categories. It's happened, I think, for like the miniseries before, but it's never happened for like just a comedy or a drama. So they won actor, actor, supporting actor, supporting actress, directing, writing and best comedy. Um, so that's kind of ridiculous. And I would have to imagine that resonates with people like it. Like I know my parents, like I talked to them like the next day or something. And they're like, I don't think they'd watch the Emmys, but they were like, my, my dad was like, I guess we'll have to like watch this Shit's Creek show, huh? <laughs> like, like it was definitely like that kind of thing where it's like, oh, it seems kind of funny. And my parents also like Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. So they'd kind of be well positioned to watch that show anyway. But have, uh, have either of you guys seen that show? Never. No. Never seen it. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've I've always heard good things about it, and and I think like in the wake of it winning everything, what I've heard, and somebody who has seen it can correct me if this is wrong, that the first season is kind of uneven, but then every season after that is quite funny, and it got better and better. Hmm. So that's 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 kind of what I've heard. So if if any of us do start watching it, you know, be be prepared that the first season might be a little underwhelming. You know, one of the things inherently I always have issue watching the Emmys is like there's there's so many categories. It's hard to tell what's what. I was tickled to hear that uh, Watchmen won so many Emmys, yes, but I the, don't even know what that thing is one, categorized as and yeah. how that works. <laughs> so basically, it's uh, there, there's basically three main uh, groups of categories. There's comedy, there's drama, and then there's this third category, which is basically like TV movie, limited series, like, you know, all the, you know, all those like prestige kind of like, you know, six part this or, you know, special movie that 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 appear on TV. Those all get lumped in together. Hmm. So Watchmen was nominated in that category. And then basically within those, they have the seven things that I just said, whatever they were. Uh, actor, actress, supporting actress, supporting actress, directing, writing and uh, the, you know, the best like show. Um, they have, there are other categories too, that I think are like, you know, given throughout the week, like guest actor and like costuming and, you know, production, but they don't show those in the, in like the main telecast. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, Watchmen won a lot. I know in, in the primetime stuff, it basically was, um, it won best, uh, what best, uh, best, whatever it was, miniseries, limited series, blah, 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 whatever that was. Regina King won best actress and, um, Yaya Abdul Mateen the second, uh, basically Cal slash Doctor Manhattan, uh, won uh, some best supporting actor. That's supporting cool. actor, I think it was. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, show deserves to win a lot of awards. Yep, yep, and it uh, it also maybe won best writing or best directing. What it won one or the other, but not both. I just can't remember what. Hmm. So yeah, it was it was it was cool. It was definitely cool to see it win. I mean, I would have been. To the extent that I care about the awards, I would have been annoyed if it didn't win some of some of that stuff, at least. If, if, if Regina the, uh, King hadn't won, it, that would have been really annoying. What was the what was kind of like the wackiest social distancing pandemic bit from the show? Um, the wackiest. They did a lot of different things. Um, they had a thing. So some of this was just like a shameless plug for Kia, but they had like this whole bit where like all the Emmys were going to be delivered to like the people's homes by, um, by uh, interns who were like driving around in these Kias. The Kia thing was stupid, but they like had these hazmat suits that like had like tuxes on them and they would like actually give them the awards. He like you'd see them a couple times, like actually like in these hazmat suits, giving the people the awards like in their home or wherever it was. 
Um, so that was a little funny. And then for for a couple of the awards, they had these boxes um, for all of the nominees. And then when they announced the winner, like the winner's box would open and the Emmy would come out of just that person's <laughs> box. So they did that for, I, I forgot, there were a couple other categories. There was like best, um, best like reality show and best uh, um, variety show or like, like, you know, like, like host, like basically the one that like, uh, so John Oliver won that. And so John Oliver was basically like shocked by like this Emmy just coming out and all this confetti coming out of this box, <laughs> which was kind of funny. So, yeah, that was probably the best bit. Um, the other bit they did that was noteworthy, I guess I would say, is that um, in the beginning, Jennifer Aniston came out and she was presenting whatever the first award was. I can't even remember. Best Actress in a Comedy, maybe. And um, they sanitized the envelope, like her and Jimmy Kimmel. So they like sprayed it down with all this stuff and then like put it in a uh, garbage can and then set it on fire for 15 <laughs> seconds. And then they had a fire extinguisher to put it out and they put it out. But then there was all this other paper under it and it like lit back on fire. And then like they sprayed it again and then it like lit on fire again. And it was definitely like not planned that that was going to happen. <laughs> so it was like, oh, like you guys almost burned down the Staples Center. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, well, but they, that's good. they worked through it. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad they tried to do something there. Yeah, it was, you know, it was it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I mean, it's, you know, it's a weird weird thing to try to do and they kind of made reference to that as well that you know that i think i think jimmy kimball said something to the effect in the beginning of like you know this doing a television award ceremony in you know during this pandemic seems like an extremely frivolous thing to do but to be fair doing this award ceremony is always a frivolous thing to do <laughs> <laughs> very true very true yeah. all right well that's the uh, end that's the Emmys. Yep. That's about all I needed from them. Yep. We did We did make an executive decision while you were gone on the fly. Like, well, we should pick another movie to watch. Yeah, I what think was, that probably what, makes sense. What was it, Paul? Uh, so we decided to watch 2019's Spider-Man colon Far From Home. Um, the second Tom Holland outing. Um, is there really a dash in there? Yeah, Spider-Man is, yeah. is dashed. Spider-Man yeah. Spider is always dashed. Yep. I did. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Always hyphenated. Well, is it? Is there a Spider Woman or a Spider Dog or why? Why the? There is a Spider Woman. Yes, but Which, uh, I don't know if that's hyphenated. I don't think Spider Gwen is hyphenated either, right? I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. I'm, I'm like I have just enough comics knowledge to be dangerous, but not enough to actually answer any questions. It's possible it was you know Spider Gwen Spider. Spider Gwen is hyphenated. I just looked. Oh, it up. okay. There you go. Okay. Anyway, um, so this is the movie that uh, closes out Phase Three of the MCU. Which that's correct. Um, before we get into the movie, I'm always it always confuses me that the, the Avengers movies is never the one that closes out the phase. It's always like the one extra movie. Right. Um, I meant to look up what, what closed out Phase Two, but I don't remember now. Um, uh, it was Ant Man, I think. Right. Oh, you're that? right. It, yeah. it was Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, I have no idea why they do this. <laughs> it doesn't seem to make any sense. Um, yeah. But this one, this one made a little more sense to me than Ant- like Ant-Man to me made very little sense as to why that would close out phase two, except that it was just like announced. But this one made sense a little bit to me because it's sort of it still deals with the consequences, with the direct consequences of what happens in Avengers Endgame. 
And so I, along those lines, I could see why it could be sort of like, okay, this is the end of phase three. And maybe in phase four, we move on to a different saga, so to speak. Yeah, I guess. Not, I suppose, not that they'll, you know, um, ne- never reference Iron Man again or anything. Right. So before we talk about some specific things, Nish, you want to give your patented uh, Nish cap of the movie? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, I won't. I'm, I'm not going to go into stultifying detail, partially because I don't know if I remember stultifying detail and also because, you know, we, we can just kind of get get the gist of it. So also, I'm pretty um, sure that's a word you just made up. Stultifying? All right, fair enough. If it's not a word, I buy it and I love it. (laughs) Thought it was a word. After I'm done talking, I'm going to look up and see whether it's a word or not. All right, (laughs) totally could be. I've just never heard it. All right, all right. So, uh, so Spider-Man: Far From Home uh, takes place, as I said, after the events of Avengers: Endgame, and deals uh, obviously with um, Spider-Man. So, Spider-Man and like most of his friends were snapped away by Thanos. And so they're, uh, you know, they, they basically come back uh, along with everybody else at the end of, end of Avengers Endgame. And it's five years later, but they have not aged. And they refer to this as uh, Spider-Man Far From Home establishes that this is that this event is referred to as the blip. So um, they're basically dealing a little bit with the fact that um, that, you know, they're all, you know, still 16 like they were five years ago and meanwhile they're like kids who were like 11 who are now 16 as well including one of the one of the characters in the uh in the movie so like they, they kind of reference that but overall the main thing that spider-man is dealing with here is the loss of his mentor tony stark this iron man um he's dealing with the fact that he's not here anymore and also dealing with the pressure of the idea that maybe he's supposed to kind of replace him or like sort of be like the next Iron Man in some way, shape, or form, uh, partially because some people kind of say that to him, and partially because he kind of recognizes that he sort of was, you know, kind of uh, Tony's protege in a way, um, and so he kind of feels that uh, that burden. Um, also, he is, uh, in, on a on a lighter note, he is dealing with romantic feelings for uh, for Mary Jane, MJ. I mean, she's not Mary Jane; she's Michelle or something like that, and in spider-man but mj uh played by zendaya who won the emmy for best actress in a drama so we're going back to emmys <laughs> for a second for uh euphoria the hbo show um and trying to kind of figure out how to sort of you know make his move and and let her know that he likes her you know your kind of average teenage stuff which is something that you know i think uh in spider-man homecoming they did fairly well um, you know, it was kind of balancing the superhero stuff with like the normal teenager kind of stuff. So they go on a trip to uh, uh, Europe. I think it's like the science club trip. Is that right? Something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah, they, they go on a trip to Europe. Um, I'm, I'm skipping over some stuff because I've already talked too long. Um, and while they are in Europe, um, uh, Peter Parker gets contacted by Nick Fury, who basically brings him in on this issue that's been happening that is kind of alluded to in the prologue of the movie, which is that there are these monsters of some kind called these elementals, you know, one of them is like stone and one of them is like water based and like fire based and stuff like that. And they come from another dimension and they are attacking, you know, the the earth. And there is a hero from another dimension who has appeared, who is trying to stop them. And that is uh, Quentin Beck, uh, also known as Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. 
And anybody who knows Spider-Man pretty well and Spider-Man's rogues gallery knows that Mysterio is typically one of the Spider-Man's main villains. Uh, but here he is shown to be a hero, at least at first. Um, and the idea is that he is also from the same dimension that these elemental things are from. They destroyed his Earth and he managed to escape and he is here trying to kind of fight, fight them. So um, Spider-Man ends up helping uh uh, Mysterio successfully fight one of the uh, elementals in, I don't know, wherever they are. Where is it? Prague or like Vienna or something like that? I can't, can't even remember. Paris? They're, they're somewhere. In, they, they go to a bunch of different places in Europe. Yeah, I'm I just saying they go all over are. the places. Yeah. yeah it's hard yeah. to remember. Yeah, so they're there. They, they have another fight in Venice, I'm pretty sure, and that's the water one, I, I think. Yeah. That, that, that one I remember pretty well. Um... All right. And then uh, one one important thing that happens that I forgot about is that um, Nick Fury gives uh, Spider-Man the special glasses that um, that Tony Stark had given to Nick Fury to give to Spider-Man, uh, which are a way of controlling the system called Edith, which is basically uh, I don't know. How would you describe Edith, guys? It's like a it's like a weaponized theory. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it like it it can link up to all kinds of satellites and things like that. And it can basically do more or less anything you want it to do. Like it can it can track people. It can, you know, target people and kill them, uh, you know, and, and Peter basically has control of all this. Um, and he finds it a little overwhelming that he has this control, I, I think, partially just because it's a lot of power and partially because he kind of questions whether he is really worthy of it. Um, of, of kind of having this thing that, you know, that that Tony Stark had built and, you know, would have used himself if he had still been alive. Um, eventually, he decides after seeing Mysterio in action a few times that Mysterio is is more of a hero and that this would be better served being in his hands. You know, he doesn't want the responsibility that comes with it. So he gives Mysterio the glasses and the control of Edith. Uh, whereupon it is revealed that Mysterio is actually a bad guy. He's actually a former, um, he's not from another dimension at all. He's a former employee of Tony Stark's who had built this drone technology that can basically uh, project illusions, more or less. Um, and he's been using that to basically make these elemental monsters and things like that. They're just basically illusions augmented by like the actual weapons that the drones have and things like that. Um, and he basically pretends to fight them and he has this whole group of uh you know people working for him who basically like handle the illusions and they basically map out the whole you know the way each fight's gonna go and uh his goal basically is to become this huge hero by by doing this um so yeah this is where i'm starting to lose the thread a little bit peter figures this out and i can't remember how he does figure out that mysterio is actually bad um oh that's a good Question. Oh, I know, because there was the attack in Venice oh. or wherever, and one of the projectors fell off the drone or some shit. And, yeah, and MJ then... gets a hold of her projector. That's right. Yes, thank you. Gives it to that... Peter, and like it makes part of the thing, and they all kind of realize it's not real. Right, 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 right. Okay, you're yeah. right. So Peter realizes to his horror that you know he's given this bad guy, basically, or this guy who definitely isn't what he seems, this huge unlimited power almost, this, this Edith thing, which is kind of what Mysterio was trying to get the whole time he was trying to get control of this edith system um 
and he tries to track down Mysterio and go after him, uh, whereupon Mysterio uses all these illusions against Peter uh, when they fight so that Peter kind of doesn't know what's going on. Um, a, a side note is that Peter has kind of lost his spider sense, uh, which they call the Peter tingle throughout the movie. <laughs> um, but he he's kind of lost his spider sense, which would have helped him, obviously, during, you know, things like, uh, you know, these illusions to figure out what's not an illusion or not. Uh, he almost gets killed, uh, basically, um, and ends up in a jail in the Netherlands, where whereupon he he calls Happy uh, Hogan to come get him, and they kind of have a heart to heart, and then they kind of formulate a plan to go after uh, to go after Mysterio once and for all, and that leads them to London, which is where the main climax of the film happens, um, where Spider Man fights Mysterio. He basically first fights this huge illusion and kind of undoes the illusion because his spider sense comes back. Then he fights Mysterio himself. Um, meanwhile, Happy kind of tries to rescue the rest of the kids on the science trip uh, because Mysterio is targeting them as well because he knows that Ned and MJ both know about uh, uh, that, you know, that Mysterio is, you know, kind of uh, not a good guy. Um, and everything ends up happily, <laughs> basically. <laughs> he uh, Peter uh, kills Mysterio in the end um, and uh, takes back control of edith uh the system and uh and everyone is kind of safe and uh he ends up with mj which is great so that's 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 really nice oh, i forgot to mention that mj figures out his secret identity um pretty quickly and, and pretty easily and so she and ned and aunt may and happy are basically the only people who know who spider-man really is that he's peter um and that's pretty much it until we get to the end credit scenes which are probably the best part of the movie <laughs> oh, shit. i didn't watch the credits you didn't oh, watch the credits no, oh my the goodness credits. oh my goodness yeah okay. Uh, okay so shall we shall we uh shall we talk about the, the end credit because the end credits are uh, the the end end credits aren't as important but the mid credit scene is you know a pretty important part of the movie i would say um so so the yeah. mid credit scene um is uh the, the the movie proper ends with peter about to take take mj on like a on a swinging you know a ride through manhattan uh as spider-man and um they in the mid-credits scene they kind of finish that and she's you know kind of like yeah i didn't really like doing that and he says okay and then all of a sudden this broadcast comes on uh from the uh on on like one of the big screens on like Times Square or wherever wherever the hell they are I don't I don't actually know where it is, but um it is none other than J Jonah Jonah Jameson played by J K Simmons which is amazing, um, kind of redone as sort of like a Infowars like kind of like he's like he's got his own like Alex Jones kind of website kind of thing yeah, like totally. DailyBugle.net, yeah. and he uh he talks about how he has footage from Mysterio's last moments. And it is footage that Mysterio recobbled together to make it look like Peter was the bad guy controlling the drones and that Peter was trying to kill everybody. I should say Spider-Man was trying to kill everybody. Um, so it immediately kind of cast doubt on, you know, whether Spider-Man's a good guy or not. And then it follows that up by having Mysterio also out Peter Parker as Spider-Man to everybody. That it said basically says Spider-Man's real name is Peter Parker. And that's how the whole thing and so basically it ends with the double whammy of people maybe think spider-man is bad now and everybody knows who spider-man is well damn it <laughs> yeah and jk simmons which was 
so awesome. <laughs> so awesome that they got him back. Uh, yeah, to was, be, it was great to yeah. see him. Yeah, it really was. Um, so your your recap like brings up like one of the big things about this movie, which is like, wow, there's a lot of plot in this movie. Like uh, so much happens in this movie. Yeah. And I think more than a lot of movies um, in the MCU, like, man, you need a lot of context to watch this movie. You like, do. You do. We didn't even get to the end end credit se- sequence, which you really need to to like. If you haven't watched previous movies, you wouldn't know what the fuck was going on, which we'll we'll get to that a little later. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, to the to the point where like it almost like it almost felt over it almost felt overstuffed to me. I like, thought it did a little bit. I, I I would agree. Definitely compared to Spider-Man Homecoming, which I think which I thought was much leaner uh overall. Yeah, for sure. Um and I and it also brings up the other thing that I noticed about this movie was like the wild tone shifts that this movie had to accommodate. Um, it had like the very serious thing of Peter dealing with the death of his mentor and like, and like the, the weight that he feels for that to just like pure wackiness, like to the point where like there's one scene in particular that kind of pushed my wacky tolerance um, either up to or just over the edge, which was there's a scene where he accidentally calls down a drone strike on someone who's on the bus that he's on. And basically the drone's coming to kill him and he can't figure out how to stop it. So he causes a distraction or makes everybody look, jumps out of the sunroof of the bus, destroys the the drone, and then lands back in the bus uh, without anybody noticing any of that just happened. Um, And I think that was... That was probably the, for me anyway, that was like the height of, of the wacky hijinks that happened in this movie where I was just like, ah, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm signed up for a certain amount of wacky hijinks, but that one was a lot. Right, right. I think it, it calms down, I think, a little bit after that. Like the, like the second, the, uh, the climax and all of the movie, I think, is pretty solid in, in terms of, you know, kind of fitting. Like, like you said, like, I think the issue is it's like, it's a superhero movie. You're always going to have some suspension of disbelief, but there's like a, there's a point at which you're like a little bit like, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But other than, other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you guys' overall thoughts of the movie were, um, but I thought the movie for me, it, it worked as, it worked as a good as an end game capper, especially like, yes. Um, as, as this movie was a lot of it was kind of a Tony Stark send off, like kind of a thing, like it, you know, um, which I thought was which I thought was good. I thought that um, the 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 main like a plot or whatever it was it was fine. Um, you know, I thought you know I I knew Mysterio was a bad guy, but I felt like even without that, um, there's a there's a moment where like they're they're fighting the elementals or whatever, and they like destroy the last one, and you know the movie's about half over and. I just kept thinking of that Simpsons episode where it's like, well, everything wrapped up and much quicker than usual. Much quicker you know? than usual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. And and for movies that have a twist like this, where the, like the, the hero turns out to actually be the bad guy, like, I don't know a better way to, to hide that, but like, I felt like they didn't even try to hide that. It was basically like, right. we have a set number of things to kill. We are about to kill the last one. And we all know this movie isn't an hour and 10 minutes long. So yeah. a lot more. I think, I, I, I think maybe at some point they just figured that like, enough people who, I mean a lot of people who watch it wouldn't know who Mysterio is but enough people would 
that they'd kind of be expect. I mean, I know I was expecting it as soon as it's like, oh, Mysterio's in it and he appears to be a good guy. It's like, well, that's not like they're not going to not they're they're not going to just have him be a good guy. Like that would be weird. <laughs> like like he's, yeah. Mysterio's always been a bad guy. What um, do you guys think of Jake Gyllenhaal overall? I thought he was very good. I I uh, I wasn't jazzed when i first heard he was going to be the bad guy or that he was going to be mysterio um but i thought they made really good use of what jake gyllenhaal is good at like i I guess what i would say is when he does his sort of heel turn i thought he was great like like at that from that point forward kind of like i don't buy him so much as like an actual superhero but as kind of a skeezy like trying to be superhero but he's really like a really a real creep i feel like that's kind of jake gyllenhaal's wheelhouse a little bit so mm-hmm. I, I I thought it I thought that worked fairly well. Like once once you knew he was a bad guy. Yeah, I, and I also thought his low key interactions with Parker or with Peter were very good. Mm-hmm. Like when he was kind of giving him advice and like telling him what to do and kind of being like like snarky but like still like helpful and stuff like that. Like I thought those interactions actually were really good. And and I do like like you, Nish. I I liked his heel turn. I liked that he he's. I like that he, the the like he's not just the bad guy, right? It's like he's the lead, but like his whole team is the bad guy, right? right? And it, yes, and his his whole team is people who worked for Tony that have been like screwed over in one way or another, and are like kind of out out for revenge now. So he's kind of assembled people who had very bit parts in past Iron Man movies, um, and they brought those people back to be like, oh, yeah, you're the guy who worked on this and kind of got hosed or whatever. And like now you're like out to get him. And I liked I liked that aspect that they were kind of like putting together a production. Like they had like yeah. a, they had like the wardrobe woman who's like trying to get the wrinkles out of the cape the whole yeah, time yeah. and stuff. And like yeah. I like that aspect of it. And and I like, you know, something that Marvel I think generally does really well. I you know, I, I mean, I'll preface this by saying that I'm generally a pretty big fan of of the MCU. But um, something that I think Marvel does really well is it's like every little they, they do a really good job of calling back a lot of the, you know, it's not always perfect, but like they do a very good job of calling back to things like I love the fact that all of this technology that um, that Mysterio does this this drone thing is basically the same technology that is used back in Cap- in Captain America Civil War when Tony is like processing the like the deaths of his like the last time he saw his parents alive. Like he has a, there's like this whole little bit um, and he talks about it and he talks about how it's like named barf basically, which is like some acronym for something. And then they kind of use that as a bit of a plot point here where like where Jake Gyllenhaal is like bitter that like, you know, they could have done so much more with it, but instead he named it barf. And like, and like that was one of the things that made him so bitter towards Tony. See, I really like the team element too. And I actually, I love Jake Gyllenhaal as an actor. I thought, his heel turn was a little too dramatic and they, they didn't lean on the team enough when it came to like setting up like a really interesting bad guy dynamic. There was a moment where he heel turned and then he was kind of a dick to his team as well. And I, I don't think that was necessary. I would agree them with that. To like really get across. Like, I just felt like, damn, like they kind of underutilized him and just made him the stereotypical, like disgruntled bad guy where they could have made him like a leader of like a troop of badass fucking, you know, militia or, whatever military design people more like an uh, evil theater troupe <laughs> yes really exactly what it was, right <laughs> that's that's really what it was in the end they didn't not that they said they had to develop a lot of other characters but like the, they they introduce you to these people right and i got the feeling right away like okay this is like 
a team of people that's kind of pissed off about being named Barf. And really, in the end, when a heel turned, it became the Jake Gyllenhaal show, Mysterio show, where now like he's pointing weapons at his team and he's like become the very stereotypical bad guy as opposed to this badass team of people. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fair point. Um, one one other thing I liked in this movie, um, there was a little of this in the first Spider-Man movie, but less because Robert Downey Jr. was also there. Um, but I like the interactions between um Peter and Happy, you know, John John Favreau and uh and Tom Holland. Um and I like that there was more of that in in this movie. I think I I've always liked John Favreau as a character in uh in the Marvel movies and I I liked that he was kind of like he had, he had a lot more time in in this movie um which I appreciated. Hey, I I don't remember the first one so well, but he's there. Did but, did Peter always call his aunt just May? He didn't call her Aunt May. Yeah, he did call her May most of the time in the first movie. That that it, hmm. it, if I remember, like I never picked that up. And this time I was like, how come he doesn't call her Aunt May? He just calls her May. I, I bring that like no reason to bring that up, but but an observation <laughs> and uh, adding to what you what you're saying is like I kind of love this dynamic of uh, Happy and and May yes. kind of sh- shacking up for the summer. Yes, I like that too. Yeah, it's um something that they did really well uh in the first movie which i also think they did well here is it's like they they're just I, I think they're just very good like little bits of humor where it's just little like tossed off things that are funny like right down to the opening um not not the opening opening scene but like the opening scene with like the montage of the dead heroes to the tune of i will always love you like oh yeah. Like, yeah yeah which is like such a like a picture perfect like youtube like like retrospective video thing with like just these still shots it was it was it's just very well observed i feel like yeah i was like this movie's gonna be really wacky or like really off if this is the way we're starting it yeah um this is one of the this this i feel like this is one of the franchises it's uh in the mcu that's developed like kind of a larger cast like and a more stable cast like there's um, you know, there's Peter and MJ and Ned and May and, you know, and Happy and like all these people like feel like they're like mainstays. And I feel like um, if we're talking about casting a little bit, like I feel like like they really nailed it for all those guys. Like they did. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, I, I, I love all of them. I love um, Zendaya's MJ is probably my favorite character. Like she hits the, like the perfect, like the pitch perfect notes that I think um, play really well off of the way Tom Holland, who was also great um, yeah. as Peter Parker, He's probably the best, like he's way better than, um, uh, what's Andrew Garfield. Oh yeah. But, but also, yeah. um, also more oh, than Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire. Yeah. 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 I would agree. Well, he's, he's the only one who like legitimately seems like a teenager. He's not, but he, you know, he oh, like yeah. legitimately seems like a 16 year old. You know who were two of my favorite characters in this movie were um, J.B. Smoove and Martin Starr as the yes. teachers. Yeah, no, they. I, I thought they were great. I really liked uh, Martin Starr. He he like didn't get quite enough to do in the first movie, although he has one of my favorite lines in the first movie, which is when they come back from the Washington Monument and he goes and they're like interviewing him. And he's like, he's like, I couldn't lose a student. Not again. <laughs> like a, he just has this like thousand yard stare <laughs> um but yeah. yeah no he's he's he he had more to do in this one which i thought was really good and he's he's great and yeah and jb smooth was a great addition 
<laughs> yeah, those guys. Do we get any explanation why he loses his spidey tingles? My, no, my right? read of There's the movie no was one. I, my read of it wasn't even that that had happened. Just that I my read of the movie, maybe this is more explicit and I missed it, was that um it was something that he didn't really understand how it worked, um, and was still like trying to figure it out a little bit. Mm. Not that he had like lost his mojo and needed to get it back. Um That's fair. That might be the case. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I, I I'm with you, Willie. Like I couldn't really figure that part out. Yeah, I don't know, but I I do like I do like um, Aunt Maith hitting him with the banana, being like, "How come you couldn't catch that?" Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I think. Um, do we want to talk about what happens at the at the very very end? Sure. Um, so, so at the very, very end uh, of the just movie, because it's so weird, it's it's we got to talk about it. It is, it so is weird. weird. So at the end, the end credit scene is Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Uh, Maria Hill being uh, Kobe Smulders' character. Um, have been like throughout the they've been throughout the whole movie. Like they've been there a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah, they've been there throughout the whole movie. They, you know, they've they've been pretty pretty sizable characters throughout the whole thing, kind of directing everything, and you know, they kind of were duped by Mysterio. Um, and um and this uh and credit sequence kind of explains why they were duped by Mysterio because there there was a little bit during the movie where you would have been thinking like wouldn't like would Nick Fury like fall for for Mysterio's thing so easily like he doesn't trust anybody um so it turns out that Nick Fury and Maria Hill were not actually Mick, Nick Fury and Mar- Maria Hill they were um Talos and whatever the female scrolls name are they're they're the two scroll uh uh warriors from captain marvel uh basically the 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 uh male one talos is played by ben mendelson who's great i love him and everything he's in um and uh they basically call the real nick fury and sort of report to him what happened kind of in in a way that you know they, they kind of said like well we you know we gave we gave peter parker the glasses just like you said and then everything kind of went crazy but we fixed it it's 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 okay now <laughs> like just just wanted to let you know and then it cuts to nick fury uh and it turns out that nick fury is on a spaceship somewhere in in space with like a whole bunch of other like people yep hmm. with no so that's on. obvious obviously setting up whatever's going to happen in phase four uh to some degree of the of the mcu um but it does kind of bring up the question of well, a couple questions like one, like at what point was like, how long has Nick Fury been on that spaceship? Like how long has the Nick Fury we've been watching been actually just been a shapeshifter? Like, has it just been for this movie or was it actually like for other movies? I'm assuming it's just this movie, but you know, it's hard I to think, know. Well, so my, my, my little conspiracy on this is, like that they're going to use this to kind of explain why Nick Fury hasn't been super around for a lot of stuff lately. Like right. He hasn't shown up as much as you think he would. Right. Right. I mean, um, he basically for, uh, you know, for, for infinity war and Endgame, he just basically showed up at the end of both of those movies. He showed up in the stinger for infinity war before he was snapped uh, or blipped or whatever you want to call it. Um, paging captain Marvel and then he showed up for Tony's funeral at the end of Avengers Endgame. And that's basically it. That's, that's all you saw of him during the entire big fight with Thanos. Right. 
And I, was that Nick Fury, or do you think that was the scrolls? I don't know. Yeah, good, good question. No, no idea. Um, it yeah. could have been the scrolls. So, so Nick Fury knows the scrolls from his Captain Marvel time, uh, which you know, if you've seen Captain Marvel, that takes place in the 1990s before basically all of the other stuff in the MCU, and so you know he knows the scrolls and the scrolls know Captain Marvel all the way from back then. So yeah, it could it could, could go back a while. I'm sure this will all get explained eventually in in upcoming movies. Yeah, I, what do you guys what do you guys make of um oh sorry Paul, why don't you make your point cuz there there's something that did happen in the movie. I'm curious your take on it as well. Oh, well, I was just going to say that I I just wonder how long like <clears throat> the weight of all of the previous movies until that like it just this whole thing crushes in on itself because at this point like even to understand this movie, you'd need to have watched I don't know, seven or eight movies. And this is even like the big, like, like this is even the big, like let's all crossover event movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, they've started doing that more. Like I, I remember, I remember watching Avengers infinity war and being like, wow, there is no prologue here whatsoever. Like, it's like it, it starts basically right where Thor Ragnarok ended and just trusts you to know that that's why you're, we're in space with Thor at the beginning yeah. of that movie. Um, and, didn't and see Thor offers. Ragnarok and I was fine yeah you should see Thor Ragnarok you should, by the yeah. way because <laughs> okay. Thor Ragnarok is definitely one of the very best MCU hmm. movies okay and and definitely the funniest okay so there was a moment after Mysterio kind of gets killed and lead scientist dude like pops something into a zip drive and it's like download complete and runs away so that is what he downloaded was the uh, the video file that J. Jonah Jameson plays at the end. The, okay. the, the, you know, the, the stuff that basically paints Spider-Man as the bad guy and says what his real identity is. Got it. I think I, I, I'm assuming that's what it was because that's where it comes back, basically. Yeah, that was my read of that. Yeah, seems that. that they can create whatever illusion they want. They could as long as they had control of those drones, right? I think. Yeah, they had some limited ability to do that prior to that, but the drones really let them kind of do whatever they wanted. Yeah. They let them do it on a large scale to where they could create those elementals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anybody else, um, you know, get the get the um, uh, the nod to uh, what was his name? Captain Planet, Earth, Fire, Wind, Water and Heart. Yeah, and I kept expecting yeah. the call out to come, but it it didn't, right? They talked about Voltron and Yes. I know. Yeah. They're like who's that? Like a Voltron or blah blah blah. I'm like it's Captain Planet. Come on. We all know it's Captain Planet. That's right. Gordon would be proud. Um all right. Anything else to chat about or should we slap a couple ratings on this? I I think we should we should rate this guy. All right. Um, I'll go first since I don't feel like I usually go first. Um, I'm going to give this movie, I think this movie for me is a four out of five. Um, I, I think I, I, I liked it better than the first Spider-Man movie. Like I thought the character moments were better in this movie. Um, we didn't even talk about Ned and his vacation girlfriend who were, who oh, yeah. whole thing was very funny. Um, so I like that. Uh, um, there was a moment where I'm like, oh, my wife would like this movie. It's like, mm, she has not seen any of the other MCU movies. There's no 
possible reality where this movie makes any kind of sense to her, um, which is kind of, which is kind of too bad. Um, but I do, but, but, uh, other than that, like, I, I do really like it. Like I love this cast we put together. Um, um, these guys are having increasing difficulty pulling off teenagers. Um, especially like I noticed in the, one of the early fight scenes when they're in Venice and Tom Holland, um, he gets all wet and like it ruins his hair. And I realized like, well, boy, his hair does his, his hairstyle in these movies is doing a lot of work, making him look younger. Um, cause it's like when it's just kind of wet and hanging down, it's like, oh yeah, he looks like a 24 year old now. He doesn't look like a 16 year old anymore. <laughs> um, but no, but I, but I do, I do really like these movies and, um, uh, Spider-Man is not my favorite superhero, never was, but, um, this incarnation is probably my favorite. So I'm really liking it. Um, Willie, why don't you go next? I've been wrestling whether it should be a three or a four. So I will split it down the middle and say three and a half. Um, Tom Holland is my favorite Spider-Man. He kind of held up his end of the bargain in this movie. The cast was really good. It moved along relatively quickly. What I'll say is um, I've not actually seen some of these like Captain Marvel and some of these other Marvel movies. And there were still a lot of, and I, and I like Marvel movies, but like, I'm not like die. So there were some references where I'm like, Ooh, that's probably something I should know, but I don't. So I think you're right. It reeks of that. Um, and the other thing that just doesn't like put it over the edge and make it like an awesome movie for me is the villain. Like never once did I think Spider-Man was actually in like a lot of danger. Like the other movie, like Thanos was such a badass bad guy. You're like, oh, like some of these superheroes, they're, they're, they're going to die. Like never felt that way. I was like, yeah, yeah, like he'll figure this out. So um, without that kind of moment of angst like it it takes away a little for me in, in these situations and yeah not only did i think peter was going to be fine everybody was going to be fine including his whole class even the kids we don't really care about so entertaining good movie good pace kind of whiffed on the bad guy for me so three and a half you, get, right. you gotta hand it to a spider-man movie for only having one bad guy and not like five of them so <laughs> that's true that's generally why i didn't like the toby mcguire movies when there was like 25 bad guys yeah uh this what, what what did you think um i'm also going to go three and a half i think in the end um i uh i think this movie's good um i i would say among the marvel movies which i've seen all of um, it's one of my lesser favorites, but it's not, I mean, there are a couple that are just kind of meh. It's not bad. It's, it's a good movie. And I, th I think the strongest thing to me it has going for it is the cast is just pretty uniformly excellent, I would say. And that, and that carries it a long way. Um, I do think it's a little overstuffed, like you said, so that, that would be my main complaint, but you know, three and a half is good. It's, it's a very watchable movie. It's very funny. Um, and you know, I, I, I liked it a decent amount, not, not great. Like, like Willie would say, but it's very good. All right. Well, I was not expecting to be the lone high watermark on that movie, but I'll take yeah. it. This, yeah. this yeah, is the new Paul. We've discussed that's, this. That's right. I like everything. Bring it on. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So before we get out of here, I do want to talk about a couple of things coming up. Uh, we, uh, some new trailers dropped. We'll stay in the MCU for now. There's a trailer for WandaVision coming out. Um, and um, let's see, how do I describe what happens in this trailer? I, I, well, so, so, really, so first of all, WandaVision is, th this is uh, 
a limited series that's going to be on Disney Plus at some point. I don't think they've announced exactly when. This is one of like four or five different series that Marvel's going to have on Disney Plus. Um, but this one kind of, I think, directly deals with stuff that's happened in the MCU and I think also directly ties into what's coming up as well from whatever. Yeah, because it's it's post Endgame, right. uh, you know, Scarlet Witch and Vision. And... Which is interesting because if you've watched the Marvel movies, you know that Vision died in Avengers Infinity War. And yet this is post Endgame. Right, which the trailer directly references. Yes. Um, and I... Yeah, this I, is hard to describe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to try to describe it. Like, go watch the trailer if you haven't seen it. But I will say I'm I'm super intrigued to see this show now. Yes, like, I agree. Um, I feel like... I, I feel like... I, I, I guess I thought that this like this show was just going to be like a the Disney equivalent of a, like a streaming cash grab kind of a thing. And now it feels like, Oh, this is like going to be weird and interesting and probably pretty important going yes. forward. Yeah. From, from what I've heard, it directly ties into the upcoming Dr. Strange movie that they're working on, which is called <laughs> Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Um, so, you know, just the idea that they're bringing multiverse into it a little bit and which might explain some of what's going on in the WandaVision trailer. Um, is very intriguing. The, the trailer reminded me of, did either of you guys ever watch uh, the show on FX Legion? Nope. No. Which was, which was basically kind of a, an X-Men-ish. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's based on X-Men, but it's basically um, uh, a series. It lasted, I think, three seasons. It was done by Noah Hawley, who's the same guy who did Fargo on FX. Mm. Um, cool. And it's really good. And basically the visuals looked very similar to that in, in terms of being extremely trippy and like you kind of don't know what's going on. And there's like a suspicion that everything may be taking place in someone's head or something like that. Like, like that's kind of how the whole trailer looks to some degree. Um, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Production values look good on it, too. Yes. You know? Yes. Oh, yeah. They're just throwing money at this at these shows, which is which I'm happy for. I'm happy yeah. For. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, so that'll be interesting. And then the other trailer that, that dropped that I wanted to talk about briefly was the new trailer for Dune um, coming out, which, man, looks looks wild. Um, it does. It looks, it looks wild, but it doesn't look as big as a departure from um, the previous Dune movie as I thought it was going to. No, they actually, it really looks like they actually took quite a few of the design elements that from the David Lynch Dune, which we watched a very long time ago for this, uh, for this show, um, which isn't a bad thing. I think a lot of the stuff that David Lynch did design wise was actually pretty cool in, in Dune. Like, I don't mind that. I mean, as long as, uh, as long as what's his name, Baron Harkonnen isn't like the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Like he was in Dune. Oh yeah. He's played by a uh, Stellan Skarsgård in this one, I think. Is uh, um, and I didn't see any sting in the trailer either. So no, no, there was no sting. There are a lot of a lot of people in this movie though, just in the trailer. So there is uh, you know, uh, Timothy Chalamet is is the main character, Paul Atreides, and then Zendaya's in it again. We got we got more Zendaya. <laughs> um, and then who else? Oscar Isaac was in it. Uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, Jason Momoa. Yeah. Oh, Josh Brolin. Right, right. And uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah, Javier like, Bardem. Yeah, cast. it's it's it's, it's kind of a killer cast. So yeah, I'm very excited to see uh, 
how this will come off. And they got a pretty, oh. pretty cool shot of the sandworm at the end, which I wasn't expecting to see. Oh, you got to show the sandworm. You can't. I didn't can't know if they would or not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I knew they would have the sandworm. I just didn't know if they would show the sandworm. Uh, I mean, that's what trailers are these days, right? Like, they yeah, gotta, show the, they got they got to show the thing that you're really waiting for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, are you guys are you guys excited for these two these two things to come out? I was gonna say movies, but one's not a movie, right? Um, the 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 Marvel one, yes. WandaVision, yes. Dune didn't really sail for me when we saw it. It was a fucking weird movie, and I haven't read the book, so I'm 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 less excited in some respects, but in others, like every sci-fi nerd I know, f- like loves this book. I feel like I should see it. Yeah, I'm also excited. You know, it's it's directed by Denis Villeneuve, who did uh, um, he did Arrival and he did uh, Blade Runner 2049. Um, and I just like his aesthetic generally. Um, so I'm I'm excited for that as well. I think I think it's a good person to to kind of be directing this. I didn't get around to seeing the new Blade Runner movie, but I do want to. Yeah, it was. I, I know it didn't do great at the box office, but I liked it a lot. I thought it was like quite good. And, re- and really, really cool looking. We should review that for the show. Maybe we will. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to next time because right. next time we're actually going to be reviewing uh, the first season of the YouTube slash Netflix series Cobra Kai. Never uh, die. Um, the sequel to, well, now which, are all the Karate Kid movies in the same universe are. are they all in the same continuity so it's a, they are, a sequel yeah. to all of the, the karate well, kid movies well, well karate kid one two and three are i don't and maybe the next karate kid as well the one with yeah, hillary swank so. yeah because 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 yeah. mr miyagi was in that is that but i don't know if that one's referenced in cobra kai at all because no. like karate kid one two and is... three all have uh what's his name the, the the bad not not johnny but the the uh cleese yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, the, John Cleese. John, John, yeah, John Cleese. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they all have him in it. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen this. It's very good. I mean, what's interesting, right, is is the way this show came about, and we could obviously we'll dive into it next week. But um, there's kind of been this like internet lore going around about how Daniel Larusso was not the good guy in in the Karate Kid movie. He was the dick. And like, you know, if you were to like step back and look at it, this new kid moves to town and like gets in a fight and beats you up and then takes your girlfriend and and like, and then like his old friend comes and beats all your friends up and he picks on you while you're at a dance and sprays like a water hose on you. And like, it's basically starts from Johnny's side of the story, you know, like how he felt, how Daniel was like the bully and the asshole that, that came into town. Um, and it picks up from there. Oh God! How well do I need to have remembered Karate Kid to watch this? Not well at all. They recap it in the first five minutes for you. Oh, uh, thank God, because I really don't remember. I definitely haven't seen them all, and I don't remember them too well. For what it's worth, even at your daughter's age, she'd probably like Karate Kid. It's it's good. It's still good. It still holds up. Yeah, I, I watched Karate Kid not too long ago. It was on TV, and it was like, oh yeah, like this is great. Yeah. All right. Well, so. we'll be we'll be watching the first season. So you know, come back for that looking forward and, to it uh till then uh let's see let me just check the mailbag oh shake yep. it shake it good shake it let me just see is there something in here nope nope it's empty sorry nothing in oh, there damn it all right maybe next time 
So long, everybody.